Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, this is Ryan and Brock with Lead Defend Podcast. Today, we have two great friends of the state of Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Um, Jeremy and Caleb Freeman. And so, Caleb, actually, you've got some unique connections to Arkansas. Tell us about it. Oh, for sure. I was actually born in Arkansas. I was born in the small town of Johnson, right outside of Rogers. Mm -hmm. So, Arkansas is very personal to me. Like, <laughs> I, I consider myself born in Arkansas because I was. <laughs> there you go. Um, these guys now live in Oklahoma. Um, Jeremy Passel's at Newcastle First Baptist Church. True. And uh, you've been there 12 years? 13, going on 14, man. Wow. So you're a teenager. I'm, like, I'm, I'm old. There. I'm very old. What that means is I'm old. That's incredible. Yep. That's incredible. Now, as you guys are sitting in the podcast room, you're wearing shirts that say, But God. And there is an incredible story behind that. Mm. Um why don't you tell us that story? Yeah. I mean, the short Reader's Digest version is five years ago. Caleb was 16 years old. Uh, he was actually on his way to a University of Oklahoma basketball game. Don't hold that against us. But <laughs> on his way to an OU game and uh, started raining in Oklahoma. Caleb was exiting. He lost control of his truck, spun out into the middle of Interstate 35. 75,000-pound semi-truck T-boned Caleb directly on his side. Wow. Clayton's younger brother, Clayton, was with him. He was 14 uh, suffered a concussion, but Caleb suffered a severe traumatic brain injury. It's called a diffuse axonal grade three. You can Google it, worst kind of brain injury, kind of like the shaken baby syndrome. He um, was given less than 10% chance of survival. They called in the fatality team, did not expect him to even live to the hospital. His brain was swelling. They put a drain in his head to drain the fluid off the brain. They told us he had 48 hours and we would know what would happen. And then they said, if by chance he did survive, he would never be normal again. Um, so Caleb was in a coma for eight weeks. Hmm. Um, we ended up moving our family to Denver, Colorado, a specialty hospital there. And one day, after two months in a coma, zero response, his occupational therapist said, Caleb, can you nod your head? Yes. He nodded his head, and God just started waking him up. Wow. So we've been on this journey for the last five years of recovery. Caleb, by the grace of, and the power of God, has defied all medical expectations. And But the bigger thing is he's not just healed physically. He has yeah. been resurrected mm -hmm. spiritually, and he is a man on a mission. Wow. Caleb, one thing about you, you nodded your head yes that day, and you've been putting your yes on the table since then. That's um, good. Uh, it's really incredible. Just even walking the halls, we're at Evangelism Conference right now. Mm -hmm. You just got off the stage speaking to several hundred pastors and uh, did the same last night. And, dude, you were just a constant encouragement. Mm -hmm. uh, Caleb, let me ask you this question. How, in the midst of a tragic situation, five years later, can you be a constant encouragement to everybody around you? Oh, uh, well, I feel like it comes from how I look at my life. I, I don't look at all the things I've lost from my life, mm -hmm. like sports, the ability to run, the ability to talk normal. I feel like if I just looked at those things, it would be like asking myself to be depressed and be discouraged. Mm -hmm. I feel like God wouldn't want me to do that. So I feel like he's showing me how to look to all the things he has left me on this earth with that I didn't have before the like that I have now. Because when I look at those things, that's what allows me 
Three live the life God's called me to live. Man, that's wow, so cool. That's significant, Come dude. On. So, Caleb, I know, we've heard the story that, that you know, you, you come out of this coma, you nod your head, and you trust in Christ. Mm. Tell us about how that happened. Who, who was it that shared with you? How did you come to that, you know, place where you could trust in Him? Rather, Because a lot of people would have been bitter towards mm. God. Um, yeah. Um, well, I feel like a lot of that come from growing up in this church. Mm. Like, my dad's a pastor. My mom and my dad are very strong in the faith. So they've been very good about sharing Jesus with me the right way. But I feel like even with all that head noise and stuff that I had gotten, I feel like I settled for an information-based relationship with Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. where I knew all the facts, Mm -hmm. I knew all the Bible stories about Jesus. When I got put in a situation where I actually needed Jesus, this stuff into my life and be the healer that I never read about him being. That's when I really had to decide, do I really believe all this stuff? I've been telling people I believe about Jesus or not. And that's when I invited Jesus into my life more intimately while I'm spending spending time with him daily, talking to him, praying, praying to him and stuff like that. And I feel like that intimate relationship, I feel like, is what we were created to have with Jesus. Because whenever I started having that, that's where I started getting the most of the stuff I can get. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's big. Uh, Jeremy, tell me this. Um, every father has hopes for their children. Uh, Brock's been a dad three years? Wow, no, four, four. Four years. Gosh, big, big time. I, I'm having a baby a in a month. So, on. I mean, it's coming quick. And so you got hopes, expectations for your kids, yep. um, and you pray for your kids. How did your prayers for Caleb start changing um, <laughs> wow. as yeah. he was going through recovery? Man, that's a, that's a big question because I struggled. Mm. You know, I, I had all these aspirations of my kids playing sports and doing the things that I did when I grew up and mm. wanted to see him just do all those normal, uh, natural things. Caleb was a great athlete. I mean, seriously, he was, as a sophomore, number one cross-country runner in Newcastle, super fast, just a very gifted athlete. And then all that was gone. Same thing with our son, Trey, who passed away. Yeah. We we had all of these desires for our kids. and. My, if my wife were sitting here, you know, she would say that we had to get to a place where we said, God, we really want your will to be done. I think that's when you know you're praying genuinely for your kids, when you're, when you're really saying, God, do with them what you want to do. And that's a hard place to get to. Mm-hmm. I think anybody can pray that when your kids are normal and stuff. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, when you've lost a child or you've seen your kids really suffer, you find yourself saying, okay, God, do I really trust you with my kids? And, wow. and what Caleb is doing now is far greater than anything he could have ever done before. So I, I think your prayer changes, and suffering has a way of changing that prayer wow. to where you say, okay, God, yeah. do what's going to bring you the most glory, mm. and we want your will to really be accomplished in our kids' lives. Uh, I think uh, a lot of folks listening have parents who have hopes, aspirations. Yeah. They've been praying for them as students for a long time, and yeah. it's just refreshing to hear you say that about yeah. and your own children. Of course, you lost Trey to cancer um, some yeah. time ago. And so how has lost shaped the opportunities God now gives you to, to do significant ministry? Yeah, you know, I think that it's interesting. People that don't know our story, if they only know about Caleb, yeah. they'll come and they'll say, oh, you don't know how fortunate you are that he's doing so well. But then when we tell them the other side, they go, oh, man, you really do. Mm. So I think that 
and again, I, I, I wouldn't have chosen this story, but yeah. it's a story God's given us. I think what it allows us to do is to walk into people's spaces, those that are either facing loss or have faced loss, or those who are going through some kind of difficult circumstance, and we can speak uniquely to each situation. Yeah. So it's created huge ministry opportunities because people can't say to me, oh, you don't understand. If you would have lost a child, you wouldn't believe in God either. I can say, actually, I have lost a child. Mm. And, and sometimes real faith is still trusting God when mm. he doesn't give you what you want. Wow. And that's yeah. been a part of our story and journey. Mm. That's so good. Um, Caleb, one of the things you guys talked about earlier uh, was how your brother's um, suffering kind of prepared you, watching him prepared you for what you were going to go through. Talk to someone who maybe they're suffering right now. How can their suffering maybe at some point play an impact in someone else's life that they might not even realize? Um, Well, a lot of that comes from you got to get to the place or you're able to suffer well. Mm-hmm. Like you're able to turn your bad stuff to bring good stuff into other people's lives. Knowing that it's not you as the final say in your life. Because when you can turn your to Jesus having the final say in your life, that's what will allow you to really <laughs> suffer well and bring encouragement to other people's lives through your suffering. Mm-hmm. Caleb, you're how old now? I'm 21. 21 years old, um, and you... And I've still never drank. There you go. (laughs) Hey, hey, we need to do a whole episode on that. Especially with a brain injury, and generally doesn't need to drink, but especially with a brain injury. (laughs) Right, Caleb? (laughs) Caleb, you're 21 years old. Um, You've graduated from Rose State, or you're you're in school at Rose State? Uh, I've graduated. Okay. College grad, Uh, Rose State, there in Oklahoma, uh, a communications degree. Um, tell us this, like, what what kept you going after the wreck and saying, hey, listen, I, I want to get a college degree. I, I still think there's a future out there. Mm-hmm. So what's your motivation now? Um, well, I feel like I was going to have this brain injury, like, however I chose to live. Mm-hmm. Like, if I chose to be discouraged or depressed, like, I would be depressed and discouraged, but I would still have a brain injury on top of that. So that's like a double whammy. That's like terrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I feel like God showed me very early on that he has allowed this brain drain to my life for a reason. Not so I can live downstream with it, Hmm. but so I can live upstream with it and bring encouragement to other people's lives. Because whenever I was able to do that, that that's when the Isaac saw more purpose in my life never had before. Wow. And Caleb, you use your story as well as anybody that I've seen to communicate the good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has a story like yours. So what would you say to to any other 18 to 26-year-old who has their own story, and how can they use that to share the good news of Jesus? Well, the first thing thing we got to understand is that it's not just our stories to keep to ourselves. Like, if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, I feel like that means your life is no longer yours, but it's His to use how He knows will bring the most glory. So the faster we're able to turn to that, the faster we allow ourselves to be used by God. So I would just encourage you, anyone out there, that your story isn't just yours to be selfish with, 
But if you can use it to allow God to use it, mm. that, that, that's where you'll find the most purpose. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important because the kid that says, I haven't faced a brain injury or I haven't had a brother pass away, I haven't had these major kind of things, but you still have a story. Everybody, yeah. if you stop, and I think one of the things we fail in the church is it's like we have to teach people how to share their story. Yeah. Like, what is your story? Learn how to share it and then give them opportunities to do that. Because yeah. if you've been saved, you have a story. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't, even if you haven't had some kind of major life event, your story is how Christ changed your life. And so learning how to do that and share that is most important. And another, another way mm-hmm. I feel like we've found the church is that a lot of people have stuff going on inside their minds. And just because we can't say that, like, we're very quickly to dismiss that because we're not strong with that. So we can't understand yeah. what other people are going through. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the attacks in the minds are sometimes the worst possible things. So we gotta get better. Uh, not just not just being there supporting people with injuries that we can <laughs> see, but the injuries that we can't see Come yeah. on. sometimes wow. are worse. So I feel like in the church we need to get better at coming alongside people no matter what they're going through. Yeah, and I think you know, you, you mentioned talking about other people's struggles, and when we want to share our story, a lot of times what we're, we're predisposed to share are the highlights. We want, yeah. you know, social media is the highlight reel of our life. That's right. yeah. Speak for a minute on how is it that sharing your struggle, sharing your suffering is in your story is actually what maybe could, could be what people need to relate to you. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we've written this book, uh, Hashtag But God, and... Man, I really tried to be super candid in the book about my own journey because, uh, honestly, we experienced so much loss in our life that I almost believed that God just doesn't heal on earth anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten to a place where it was kind of a, like a cloud was hanging over me. And it wasn't until two years after Caleb's wreck that God kind of began to lift that cloud. Mm-hmm. I was on a mission trip in Africa, and I saw these brothers and sisters in Christ who were worshiping God. They had all gone through a major cyclone the spring before, lost houses, loved ones, churches, these things, and they were still praising God with great energy and joy. And I remember just saying, God, I want to live. Like, I want to live. And I began to declare, I want to live. I couldn't remember the last time I'd really said that and really believed it. And as God began to lift that cloud in my life, God used Caleb's story to resurrect some things that had died in me. So I think a part of connecting with people is sharing that struggle. Like, we we try to be super honest. It's like, man, we've tried to handle this well, but we've also not handled it well at times. And we've questioned God. We've been frustrated with God. But that's a part. I mean, God's big enough to shoulder all that. He wants you to be honest with Him. Mm. And that's a part of your healing. So I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah and that, that's where, like, we heard the best thing, that like, is a snare to compare. Mm-hmm. I feel like social media really opens the door to compare your life. Right. Because social media, a lot of times we are posting whatever their best moments are. Yep. We compare their best moments to our lowest moments. Yeah, come on. <laughs> wow. And that's all right because... Then we start feeling discouraged and depressed. But we got to understand people are going to go through high moments and low moments. And we can't just compare our our low moments 
store where we feel like their high moments are. It's a good kill. Bro, that's a word. Snare to compare. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's incredible. So you all um, have given your life. In fact, your family's given generations of your life to the next generation. Right. Um, Jeremy, whether it was your father who yeah. mm-hmm. um, poured in the next generation and still stills doing it at 70-plus years old. Exactly. And so uh, this is my question. What gives you hope for the next generation? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm super, actually, I'm super excited about the next generation. It's, you know, I look at it like, because my kids, I have a daughter who's 22, Caleb's 21, I have a son who's 20, and then three other ones that are coming up. And I feel like the next generation, they're eager. Like, yeah. they want something real. Like, yeah. they're tired They're tired of the church thing, the game. No, not not church. You can't ever get tired of church. I mean, that's God's right. plan A for the world. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the way we've done church, they're yeah. tired of it. And they want authentic. And that's why it's like I was telling you, I went to Passion. And to see, man, all these thousands of college kids gathering, I think they're hungry for, for yeah. more. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think people are drawn to Caleb's story because it's real, it's authentic. So to me, what gives me hope in the next generation, one is I see it in my own kids, but I see God stirring and working in that next generation. Uh, and I think the future is really bright. Yeah. I know the world is dark, but I think the yeah. future is bright because Jesus Christ is, he's mm. always going to build his church yeah. and he's raising up a generation to yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy, you know, you, you mentioned a minute ago that sometimes throughout this journey, you know, you always didn't handle it the best way you would have right. liked to. You went through some dark times and, and, there's some students listening to this podcast, even adults listen to the podcast. They're, they're maybe married. They want to be married. Yeah. A lot of folks that go through what you guys have been through, their marriages don't last. Mm. Can you talk about maybe relationships mm. and specifically your marital relationship? How did you and your wife endure this thing and at the end not only stay together, but but you're, you're together? Yeah, and that's a great question. I was talking to somebody about that recently, and I do think that you know, in your marriage, man, number one, you have to have a strong foundation. So Emily and I both have strong relationships with Christ. Like, I don't complete Emily. She doesn't complete mm-hmm. me. We're complete in Christ, but we complement each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've always told my kids, who you marry is the most important decision of your life next to knowing Christ. Yeah. Because you want to have a, a spouse that's pushing you toward Jesus. So suffering either allows you as a couple to fall apart or come together. And Emily and I have allowed our suffering to really push us toward the Lord and one another. So we, it's drawn us closer. I think our family's deeper. Uh, our mm. kids are deeper as a result of suffering. Our marriage is deeper as a result of suffering. Because if you suffer well together and you come out of that, you can minister well together. Mm-hmm. So Emily and I, we have a strong ministry together. And I think that's the other thing is you have to somehow turn your you turn your hard things into ministry. So as we're able to pour back out, like she's going to be sharing today with the women here at this conference, I love watching God use her in that way. Mm. And then we'll drive home and we'll talk and we'll spur one another on and encourage each other. So it's, there's no like, hey, do X, Y, and Z and you're good. It's, man, let's wake up and pursue Jesus Mm. together. Mm. And as we do that, man, God gets great glory. Yeah, what is it about suffering that takes us deeper? Because for me, I, I try to avoid suffering in my life. Like if I if I can kind of swerve away from pain, I want to get around it. Yet so often, like it's the thing that God uses to shape us. What is it about suffering that takes us deeper? Yeah, you know, I heard John MacArthur say one time: "There's two kinds of storms God brings into your life: storms of correction and storms of perfection. Hmm. A storm of correction is like Jonah when you're in sin <laughs> and God's calling you back to Himself. Yeah. Sometimes you have to repent. So sometimes God uses suffering." to awaken you to a sin in your life. But then there's storms of correction. One time Jesus sent the disciples out in the boat. He sent them into the storm. They didn't do anything wrong. They Mm -hmm. just obeyed him. And then the storm came. But what was he doing? He was growing their faith. 
Because in the end, he said, why did you doubt? Why were you afraid? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the storms God allows into our life are to grow us. And I do think you don't really know if you trust God until you're tested not to trust him. Mm -hmm. And we like to say that a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. you know, so as, as God tests your faith, he grows your faith. And there's something, it's like a broken arm. You break that arm when it heals back, uh, it heals back stronger as a yeah. result of the brokenness. Yeah, I heard the heart of the heart of the best thing that suffering can either destroy your faith or it can refine your faith. Mm. And honestly, I've seen both of them happen. Mm. I've seen people go through suffering, them questioning God, yep. and it totally destroys their faith. But I've also seen suffering come and people come out stronger mm. in their faith because of it. So I feel like a lot of that comes to whatever you choose to allow to do because we can't grow lazy as believers right. and just depend on Jesus to do everything. But a lot of it comes down to us like, what are we going to allow to do? I'll destroy our faith or refine our faith? Because wow. if we allow us to refine our faith, I'm saying very personally, your faith can come out stronger than it ever was before. Mm. Caleb, you obviously have a lot of hope for the next generation also. Mm. And uh, just a closing word, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. Um, Caleb, one thing that's incredible about you, mm. you're at this conference, 700-ish pastors around. And <laughs> one of I the best-dressed dudes in the room, I might also say. Well, I tell you, <laughs> I, but, but I, well, I, I bet you've talked you, to almost <laughs> every single pastor. I mean, I bet you've engaged with half of the crowd at least for sure um you walk slowly through rooms you keep your eyes open to engage and encourage people mm. um and so what encouragement would you give to the listeners of this podcast uh just in closing um i would just encourage you to all be in the moment with people like if you're not willing to give them your precious moments, like you want to just move on to the next thing. Like, what's that going to show people? It's going to show them that you don't really want to talk to them. So I feel like it's more important to be in the moment with people because if you're willing to sacrifice some of your time that you're going to use for other things for them, that will show them that they're very important to you. It will, it will, it will. Hide their intentionality to listen to you. Mm, wow, that's, that's significant. Uh, I think as you're listening to this, you're probably like, I got to hear more of this story. Yeah. And there are ways for you to do that. Jeremy, would you tell us ways that they can learn more about y'all's story mm -hmm. and what God's done through your journey? You bet, man. Obviously, we have a uh, we, we started a Pray for Caleb Facebook page the night of Caleb's accident. So we give updates on the Pray for Caleb Facebook page regularly. Uh, but not everybody has Facebook. So uh, you can actually go to butgodthebook.com, and you can read about the story. You can order the book there. It's, the book's available wherever books that, are sold. That's one T, but B-U-T. Yeah, B-U-T, not T-T. Uh, okay, uh, that's I mean, that, that would be B-U-T. That kid. would be just awkward. That would be awkward. <laughs> B-U-T-T, no, B-U-T, butgodthebook.com. You can go there. Uh, we're all over social media as well on all, on all the major platforms. And we're getting ready to have a new website come out called hashtag butgodthebook. Uh, com. You spell it out. H-A-S-H-T-A-G-B-U-T-G-O-D, hashtag butgod.com. It's going to have people can get in touch with us that way and, hmm. and all that kind of good stuff. 
That's cool. awesome. Well, hey, thank you all for sharing your story. Caleb, the last word. Last uh, word, buddy. I like it. And please reach out to have us come because I would just love to see your face personally. Yeah. And I would love to talk to you until you can't take it. <laughs> That's incredible. In fact, uh, Caleb and Jeremy both go to student ministries and groups across School the nation uh, and yes. speak. Right. And so if you have an opportunity as a student leader to impact that, uh, man, reach out and, and schedule something so that you can reach your campus um, for the gospel. Hey, this has been the Lead Defend podcast. Lead Defend is always around the corner. You can go to leaddefend.org for more information on upcoming conferences and events. Until next time, thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.